Welcome to the final doodle of the fates. We're going to start it without much ado. But uh, we'll just go over quickly what the categories will be. No, actually we won't. You know what they are. Um, You know what? It's all going to make sense as it goes along. It's a bunch of characters and we're comparing them in the five silly categories from classic deadpan. What I will tell you is that we're only doing the first three in this episode. The following two, plus maybe the tiebreaker if necessary, will occur in the next episode. So that means the good news is that if you've not yet contributed your stuff, then you have a whole other week. And yes, you know what? We'll still hear your arguments for the for the first three categories, even if your stuff is late and has to appear in part two of the Duel of the Fates battle. And actually, I say week, but I should say next episode. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain. I can't hear you! Aye, aye, Captain. Gosh. Asshole. Oh! Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Mangan's deadpan. Absorbent and yellow and porous is he? Mangan's deadpan. If nautical nonsense be something you wish. Mangan's deadpan. Then drop on the deck and flop like a fish! Mangan's deadpan. Mangan's deadpan. Mangan's deadpan. Mangan's deadpan. <sighs> Mangan's deadpan. <laughs> and sometimes we do haiku. Alright, that was far too much ado. Let's get on with the opening category, which is, which who, is who is more, is more iconic? iconic? Hello, deadpan. This is Amy Bowen, a.k.a. the deadpan ambassador. And this is my contribution to the deadpan grand finale, the Duel of the Fates Royale with Cheese. Round 1. Who's the most iconic? As pointed out in one of the interviews leading up to this grand finale, this question may be taken in either of two ways. Who's the most iconic among the general population? Or who's the most iconic within the deadpan community? To cast my vote in this category, I'm going to try to strike a balance between those two interpretations. The Origami Unicorn from Blade Runner. An obscure element of a cult classic film based on an obscure short novel by a cult author. Basically, it's perfect for deadpan. It does get bonus points, however, for being folded by a young Admiral Adama, a.k.a. Crockett and Tubbs' former boss. Tell me. What the hell is a spherical Tommy? Or is it spherical Tommy? Like the pinball? Like the, t- like the pinball wizard? Or is it Tony? Like, like Tony Danza? Or Tommy? Like the toy manufacturer? Wait a minute, so spherical Tommy is a toy. It's a toy ball. Got it. No? What the hell's a patio book? Do I need an iPod? What the hell's a T. Morris? <laughs> Kelly LeBrock from Weird Science. 
All DOTF Battle Royale with Cheese Doodle contestants were required to have some link to Deadpan Past, so technically she shouldn't even be here today. But are you going to tell her to leave? Why do you have to be such a wanker? Yes, she sure made a lot of us look at the world very differently back in the 80s. Speaking of the 80s... Zmed. The General Lee Millennium Falcon. Images of the General Lee Millennium Falcon will live on in the great scrapbook we call the internet, long after Deadpan is gone. And, of note, its initials are GLMF. Let's see if there are any other thoughts on the General Lee Millennium Falcon. Hello, Deadpan. This is Ed from Texas. For the Duel of the Fates Battle Royale with G's, I nominated something quintessentially deadpan. A hybrid merging of the General Lee, the car, not the man, and the Millennium Falcon, hereafter known as the Millennium Lee. After going through the categories, I think everyone will agree that it is deserving of the cheese. Most iconic. This one's a bit tough. The kids coming out of college that I'll be interviewing soon may know the Millennium Falcon. They probably don't know what the General Lee is. So the image of these two combined is probably going to leave them scratching their heads. For those of us who are a bit more seasoned, shall we say, each of these represents some very iconic parts of our childhoods from the late 70s and early 80s. But that is exactly the demographic that most of us Panites fall into, and why the combo that is the Millennium Lee could find a home here. I'll have to trust to the judge's decision on this one. Iron Man. Yes, yes, we get it. From that secondary character with the drinking problem in the Avengers comics, to the asshole who indirectly causes the death of Captain America, to the replacement for Spider-Man as the face of the Marvel movie franchises, Iron Man's had a hell of a ride. Santa Thing. Okay, you don't even remember Santa Thing. I am confused. It's Deadpan episode number 189. The Santa thing itself was portrayed brilliantly by LeJohn Johnson. The girl. It hissed. Lando Calrissian. Following the tragic death of Mace Windu, Lando had the dubious honor of being the only black guy in the entire galaxy. The reason we got the wonderful Lando we did was because people of color in the 70s... Yes, white people. Yes, with giant afros and bell-bottoms, giving each other high and low fives. The people of the 70s said of the Star Wars phenomenon, Yeah, sure, it was great, but where are all the black people? So George Lucas then, in response, turned on his television, saw... I don't claim you can have a better time with Colt 45 than without it. But why take chances? And told the nearest lackey, okay, fine, hire that guy, instead of Tom Selleck. Chamberlain Skeksis. The Skeksis are evil creatures who employ Gelfling slaves to perform tasks for them, while also, literally, draining their essence. This is a far better and truer commentary on the modern workforce than office space could ever be. Daisy Duke. How's this for iconic? Daisy Duth both wins and loses points for having the worst rap song of the 90s named in her honor. No, not Me So Horny. Not Ice Ice Baby. 
There was actually a terrible song called Daisy Dukes, spelled Dazzy Ducks, about girls in short shorts. Van's Crap Joke of the Day. Known only to us in the deadpan community from 2011 to the present, but it means the world to us. Clyde from Pac-Man. Forget Darth Vader, Doctor Doom, Gus Fring, Doctor Evil, Scarface, The Joker, Hans Gruber, Lord Voldemort, Khan, Noonien Singh, Ricardo Montalcan, not the newer one, Inky, Blinky, or Pinky, the single greatest villain of our time, is Clyde from Pac-Man, a.k.a. the orange one who moves erratically. Far more terrifying than Norman Bates or Goldfinger. Arthur Dent. Easily the most famous guy ever known for walking around in his bathrobe. Well, you know, aside from Hugh Hefner. And the Old Spice guy. And I suppose professional boxers coming into the ring. Cthulhu. Elder God Cthulhu has hit the snooze button twice. Soon his slumber shall end and all shall know his calamari kiss. While countless metal bands were toiling away and being accused of worshipping Satan, the metal band that would become the most popular of all bands in the world for a time, Metallica, openly worshipped him. That should tell you something. Jules Winfield, the single most important fictional character of the 90s, Aside from Kurt Cobain. Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. This guy was toiling away at some desk job at the Hayden Planetarium, hosting the occasional PBS special, until his two deadpan appearances launched his career to become the most recognizable living scientific figure. Gandalf the Gay. Um, First, um, who's more iconic? Um, You shall not pass! He established our template of what a wizard looks and acts like, and how old men at sci-fi cons and Dr. Andrew Weil should look. However, while I wouldn't necessarily say his image took a hit in the 70s, it did change drastically during his years as the biker dude in The Village People, a.k.a. the letter Y. But just imagine the hair in the sink after that shave. Smurfette. Is there a more instantly recognizable female cartoon character from the 80s? What? What the fuck is She-Ra? Krista Now from Southland Tales. Krista Now sure did mean a lot to that Weasley kid from NSYNC, that pro wrestler, and John Lovitz. But everyone else's reaction... Wow, Buffy's in this movie? Huey Lewis. How iconic is he? Well, you know, it's changed over the years. Uh, circa 1970s. Oh yeah, I saw that Hubert Lewis and his band and their gig at the VFW Hall. Fun, peppy music. Circa 1980s. Forget Michael Jackson. Huey Lewis is the king of pop. The Beatles and Led Zeppelin grovel before the news. Huey rules MTV and the airwaves. Circa 1990s. Didn't he sing Sunglasses at Night? Circa 2000s. Who? Circa 2010s. Huey Lewis? That fucking liar. Chicken Scissors. Gross. The Gremlin on the Wing from the Twilight Zone. 
What's the first thing that comes to mind when you fly, and you look out of the plane onto that wing? Either the hideous Santa thing-looking creature from the Twilight Zone movie, or his fluffy teddy bear counterpart that terrorized William Shatner in the old TV series. Is my seat in the locked and upright position? I'm on the fucking wing! Tell me, YouTube supercutters. Why has no one ever cobbled together a video of Captain Kirk seeing the gremlin on the hull of the Enterprise? Mush. Mush is a universally known, universally reviled, bland, tasteless filler food. Sadly, these failed campaigns did nothing to improve its popularity. Mush, it's like tasteless oatmeal. Or, mush, it's like grits, but not as classy. Or, mush, relive your baby food days. Or, the best thing you'll ever eat with a mildly vomit-like consistency. But that said, mush is one of the 20 or so most important things in the world to one young, sleepy rabbit. There, chew on that for a minute. Okay, I guess you can't actually chew on mush. Slurp that off your spoon. Hello, Dead Pan. For my entry into the final duel of the Fates Royale with Cheese Doodle, I present Mush. Well, just about everybody knows the story of Goodnight Moon. And if you mention Goodnight Mush to them, even if they don't recognize it right off the top of their head, when you bring the story to to their attention, they go, oh yeah, that's right. But really, Mush is most iconic on the deadpan boards. Who is brought up more often, whether on the boards or on the podcast? Very often, everybody will say, good night, Mush, as they're leaving the board. And on top of that, Mush has its own emoticon. Not many other iconic deadpan items have their own emoticon. So that in itself should tell you just how iconic Mush is for the deadpan. Well, Jack, for the final duel of the fates, I could not let you down. I beat off the Skeksis, pushed aside the gremlins near my computer, and made some time to record for you my final contribution for the doodle of the fates. My champion for this contribution is... Mush. That's right, mush. And really, you have to ask yourself, what could be more iconic than mush? Ask yourself that. I mean, mush is commonly known as a type of food. Not necessarily a desirable type of food, but you Google mush and you get 10.5 million hits on mush. Mush is talked about the world round. Mush is the term used for dog sleds. Mush is Van's favorite type of peas. Mush is iconic. There's no doubt about that. The barbarian tribal leader... Fang Nostril Skull Polish. In a world of savage splendor, raised as slaves, trained as gladiators. The barbarians feel the power. Pitfall Harry. Didn't he sing sunglasses at night? Ash from the Evil Dead. Who's the greatest horror film protagonist? Not villain, protagonist. Who's one of the top ten action heroes? Who's one of the top five, top three, maybe top one slapstick comedy characters? And finally, for iconic... 
Several of the characters in this duel are very iconic among the general population, especially Iron Man, Huey Lewis, Daisy Duke, and Smurfette. However, when I ask myself who's the most iconic within the deadpan community, the choices that stand out the most to me are Mush, Van's crap joke of the day, and Tomy. Tomy is part of the reason some of us old-timers subscribed to the deadpan in the first place. Mush and Van's crap joke of the day are two of the most enduring memes on the deadpan comment boards. One or both of them show up in the random comments section of the show almost every week. My choice for the winner of the most iconic category is... Mush. It's a long-standing inside reference within the deadpan community, and since it originated in a fairly well-known children's book, it could be recognizable to some people outside of the community as well. So using our whose line is it anyway style of point scoring, lots of points were awarded during that first round, but it looks like after one, the mush comes out ahead. I know that that makes one particular Fat Albert character very happy. Yes, and the lavish woman will be learning all about seaweed turbot troubles. So hey, it turns out I lied to you about 15 minutes ago. We are only going to do two categories in this episode. That's right, two. Which also means that we'll do two in the next one, and that means that 288 is where we'll also do... We'll reach the exciting, dramatic conclusion. That will be the intangibles, and if necessary, the tiebreaker. Hooray. All right, on to round two. Round two. Who has the most love prowess? Alright, we'll start with Mush. As you'll hear, Bunny beat me to the American Pie reference. So I'll just say that I greatly appreciate that we didn't get any mush as lube jokes. The little old lady is whispering hush. So there, slurp that off your spoon. Let's hear some other thoughts on mush and, and love prowess. As for love prowess, well, okay. Maybe mush is not what you want to say when you're in that particular romantic mood, but it could have its benefits for that certain romantic time. Love prowess? Mush? Well, let's leave it at that. Love prowess. You would look at this little pile of mush and you wouldn't think it would be very good when you're talking love. But think a little further. What is mush? There are a number of movies where people are making love to various other items. Um, for instance, an apple pie. So if you can screw an apple pie, why not mush? Or actually, maybe the mush is a result of someone screwing apple pie. So you would look at that and go, ooh, nice, warm, wet apple pie leftovers. Slurp that off your spoon. <sighs> the gremlin on the wing. He's not only the Mile High Club president, 
He's also a client. Chicken scissors. Ouch. Huey Lewis. I really hope um, somebody gives some uh, love prowess, really funny love prowess answers for Huey Lewis. um, Because that's just, you know, just kind of laying there waiting for somebody to grab it. He's happy to be stuck with you. He stuck to you with the power of love. Do you think Huey Lewis's partners lie about their orgasms? Gandalf the Gay. Uh, love prowess. Robes. Easily accessible. I rest my case. He dated Magneto for a few months, but that didn't work out. They agreed it was too much like masturbation, so they... Wait, are you talking about Gandalf? This is the Balrog. Did he tell you about us? About the millennia we spent sharing an apartment and two cats and our dreams deep beneath Moria? Or did he come to you with a story about how he smote me deep below Moria on some mountaintop? Well, you should ask him what smote really meant. He's a kinky one, I tell you. Sometimes I had to ask if it was me or my whip that he truly loved. Well, anyway, don't believe that eternity in the blink of an eye story, if that's what he told you. That's what he tells everyone. I got the same excuse from when I ran into him at Whole Foods, six months after he just walked out on us. No note, no goodbye, no calls, no emails, no shadow faxes, nothing. I just woke up one morning and his staff and hat were gone. If you do see him, you tell him he broke my heart and that I still love him. Neil deGrasse Tyson. People Magazine did vote him the sexiest astrophysicist alive. You know, edging out Stephen Hawking for the top spot. I'm going to hell for that joke. Jules Winfield. I don't know. He got his foot rub technique down and everything. Motherfucker! Cthulhu. Here's the shocking truth behind the call of Cthulhu. I just called to say I love you. Arthur Dent. Well, I think we've determined our last place contestant for Love Prowess. Yeah, he pines for Trillian. Barely, rarely ever noticed by her. Not even when she's brushing him off. Then he settles in the worst book of the series for Fenchurch, who just utterly and abruptly vanishes for good in the next book. If ever there was a hitchhiker's guide for his love life, the cover would say, Don't bother. Clyde from Pac-Man. He lives in a tiny apartment with two other guys and a girl, yet spends all of his time chasing Miss Pac-Man, who is only interested in him when he turns blue. And then... All she wants to do is devour him and send his eyeballs gliding back home. So yes, putting his balls in a box. That is a dysfunctional relationship, mister. Van's crap joke of the day. It's not always about sex, you know. Actually, with Van's crap jokes, it usually is all about sex. Daisy Duke. Daisy inspired lots of self-love, yes. But she became a whole lot less sexy to the rest of us when she married a guy named Enos. Especially in the aftermath, when he knocked her up in the back of the squad car after the Larry the Cable Guy concert at the casino for their honeymoon. And he then took her on Jerry Springer to dispute whether little Enos Jr. was his. Pitfall Harry. He'd sure like to swing his vine over your quicksand, let me tell ya. Yeah, he'll get crushed by your log any time. He'd try and fail every time to last 20 minutes for you, honey. 
He'll jump the snake for you on every screen, sugar. He'll bring a diamond ring as big as his body for you. He'll... Okay, none of these work. <coughs> Chamberlain Skeksis. The Skeksis orgasm sound. <coughs> yes, picture a Skeksis making the O face. <coughs> Lando Calrissian. Say, baby, you want to come back to my place? I own my own city in the clouds. Hey, baby. You want to come back to my place? I own my own city in the clouds. Say, baby. You want to come back to my place? I own my own city in the clouds. The Santa thing. Actually... Things didn't work out with his Soho girlfriend, no pun intended, who's mentioned in the epilogue to Santa Thing. After a few months lost in the single scene, he met up with a despondent Balrog through OK Creature. The two of them are currently locked in a torrid, codependent rebound relationship. They hit it off right away, because the Balrog said Santa Thing's white beard reminded him of someone. Ash from the Evil Dead. What do you say we... Have some champagne, eh, baby? Huh? <laughs> sure. <laughs> After all, I'm a man and you're a woman. Uh, At least last time I checked. <laughs> okay. You know that story about how you could have been king? I, uh, I think it's kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> Iron Man. Consider the rocket boosters embedded in his palms. He needs to be very, very careful when administering self-love. Oh, come on. Like, Tony Stark wouldn't wear the suit to, uh... Say, do you think Jarvis offers him guidance to find the G-spot? The General Lee Millennium Falcon. Love prowess. All right, I may have to concede a little on this category, but only because the combination is not as effective as the parts in this case. Because, while, of course, the Millennium Falcon was part of what allowed Han Solo to win Princess Leia, I don't really recall that the General Lee was able to get much action for the Duke boys. The only woman I ever really recall seeing around all the time is, of course, their cousin Daisy. And we're just not going to go there, because this is... Well, no, we're just not going to go there. The Millennium Falcon did go for some extreme deep throat with the creature in the asteroid cave. Would Minox be considered an STD? But really... The GLMF will never win this category without Daisy Duke's involvement. Zmed. I'll let the Tom Hanks vehicle bachelor party speak for his love prowess. The barbarian tribal leader, Pelt Boner Grindhog. Olaf, Berserker. Come on, Berserker. Girls think sexy. My love for you is like a truck bouncer. Would you like some making fuck, Malzaka? Did he say making fuck? The Origami Unicorn from Blade Runner. Funny enough, the Origami Unicorn from Blade Runner, the Origami Unicorn found love with the Matchstick Man at the end of Blade Runner, also created by Edward James Olmos. Funny thing is, though, they didn't actually meet on set of the movie. Now, they met years later through an online dating service. And where, you say, would a paper unicorn meet a matchstick man? At match.com. I'll get my coat. Kelly LeBrock from Weird Science. 
You know, there's going to be sex, drugs, rock and roll, chips, dips, chains, whips. You know, your basic orgy type of thing. I mean, uh, I'm not talking candle wax on the nipples or anything like that. No, 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 no. Well, Krista now from Southland Tales would like to think she does. She has some dialogue in the movie about how her whole TV persona is based on how sexy she is. Lando Calrissian also sees himself as a ladies' man, but then again, I believe his unsuccessful attempts to put the moves on Leia made him the butt of some of the jokes in 60 Lines Part 2, Lando Strikes Back. And then there's the whole conversation about Smurf biology during the instrumental break in Nine Inch Smurfs, which makes Smurfette another strong contender for this category. However, my personal choice for the winner of the Love Prowess category is Iron Man. No offense, but I don't play well with others. Big man in a suit of armor. Take that away, what are you? A uh, genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. <laughs> Not only can Tony back up all of those claims, but over the course of the movie so far, We've seen him grow beyond playboyhood and develop a really sweet, ongoing relationship with Pepper, which I really appreciate. Tony wins this round. Alright, this category was tight. A lot of points scored, a lot of points shared. Uh, it's hard to really pick a winner, so in that case, we'll give it to Prince. Because really, when in doubt, Prince should always win Love Prowess. Prince or Emo Phillips. So there you have it. After the first two are done, as I said, a lot of um, non-existent points have been awarded, and no one's really out of it yet. But our two clear winners are Mush and Prince. And yes, it's true that Prince is not even a contestant, but yet he still won the love prowess. Tune into the next, the next full-length episode when I promise actual characters will win, and we'll get closer to crowning. The final doodle of Fates Royale with Cheese doodle battle duel champion. Deadpan 286 out. Deadpan is the motherfucking way. Good night, mm, all of our contestants.
Well, let's leave it at that.